All right, everyone. Welcome to the special edition of the Toy Olympics Weekly Update. It is uh, properly winter-themed as it's snowing in where I live today. So I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas. And Voitas, are you ready to jump into uh, the special news? Yes. Hello, everybody. Well, there's no snow at my place, but we, I also have Christmas. So we can start with our special uh, podcast. So as some of you may know, the news came out, the news that we're talking about today is that quite a few of the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympic qualification documents dropped today. However, the ice hockey and curling qualification was already known. We're going to go ahead and skip ice hockey, but Voitas is going to give us a quick breakdown of the curling right now. Yeah, so we know that uh, ice hockey is uh, already on. We have the the uh, Netherlands-Spain game on the 8th of January, just before the uh, Youth Olympic Games in Lausanne. Then we have the next rounds in February and August, and we'll know everything about ice hockey then. Um, what about curling? We will have uh, 10 teams, uh, men's and women's, and we will have uh, 10 mixed doubles, so it's two more than in Pyeongchang. And they will be qualified uh, through the World Championships. It will be seven, both men's, women's, and uh, the mixed relays based on the ranking points uh, as it was in Sochi and Pyeongchang. And we will have the Olympic qualification event in 2021. Uh, In the traditional men's and women's team events, it will be uh, the host playing in this uh, Olympic qualification event. Also, uh, five not yet qualified uh, teams from the World Championships ranking and uh, two teams which will get there from the pre-qualification event, which will be open to everybody. While in uh, mixed doubles, the two teams from the Olympic qualification event will be determined out of the host of this event and the 15 uh, not qualified teams from the uh, World Championships ranking. And that's all. It's easy as it's always with the team sports. Well, it's always easy when you explain it. So that's <laughs> why anyone would be confused after that. So we're going to go ahead now and move on to today's news. And we're going to start with all the FIS uh, disciplines. So the skiing and snowboarding disciplines that we'll see in 2022. And of course, we're going to start with the ever popular alpine skiing. Alpine skiing will not see a reduction in events. In fact, it'll be the same exact program of events that we saw in Pyeongchang, but it will see an overall reduction of 14 quotas. Now, I don't know, Voitas, if you have anything you want to add to that, so I'll give you a chance here. Well, I think the thing about the uh, events, which has uh, four, the limit of four athletes per NOC in each event, I think it's uh, it's okay with, I'm okay with that, and also we have 11, uh, limit of 11 Quotas athletes in the whole, yes, in the uh, in every uh, in the whole uh, alpine skiing, which I think is also good because we have four, we have for example four for the technical events, the slalom and the jan slalom. We have four for downhill, and we have also three remaining. So I think it's uh, absolutely okay. I even expect that uh, some of the nations may re- reduce the, the their quotas to to the reallocation to the uh, lower quality classified uh, nations. And it really is a good move because in Pyeongchang, we saw so many redundant quotas where athletes got quotas and then never did a single thing at the games, didn't even take the training run. So really, in my opinion, it's it's a really good move on the IOC's part and on the FIS's part, even though I don't agree with all the moves they made concerning the Beijing qualification. I do think that this one is a welcome move amongst most circles. So we also, um, the points required to qualify, or the, the points that you have to have under in the FIS skiing points are also known, in the, or I guess the FIS Olympic points is what they're called now. So for the downhill, you have to have um, either less than or equal to 80 FIS points. In the Super G, you have to have less than or equal to 80 points as well. The Alpine combined, you must have less than or equal to 160 Olympic points, but you must also have an additional requirement of... Um, less than or equal to 80 points in the downhill. The slalom and giant slalom, you both need to, uh, for both, you need to have less than or equal to 160 points. And for the mixed team parallel, uh, NOCs must have the required Olympic FIS points 
in at least one of the five events for their athletes to be able to participate in that event at the Games. Um, I think that's it for Alpine, unless you have anything else to add, Boitas, and we can move on to cross-country then. Uh, I think one more thing about the uh, mixed uh, parallel uh, events, I think it's a um, good chance for the athletes uh, to start in the team event in the Alpine skiing. I think we saw that also in Pyeongchang. And I think that these mixed team events are becoming more and more popular and more and more successful. I think that those conservative uh, fans who don't really like them will enjoy them with the time going uh, further. And we will see quite a few more of them in uh, Beijing. So whatever research the IOC has done, assuming they've done research, is apparently showing that they have been well-liked. So it'll be interesting to see if we see more or less events after these games but for these games we know that there are more events although i don't think it actually affects qualifying that much in terms of quota totals and stuff like that but it is an interesting thing to keep track of as the ioc continues their gender parity um policy so i think now we can move on to cross-country skiing and cross-country skiing has seen a uh, again a total reduction of 14 quotas from the last olympics the same as alpine skiing um, so now we're under 300 athletes. We have 296 total that will be competing at the Games, with the additional requirement that the host is automatically guaranteed four places in each gender, and that each country can only have a maximum of eight, which is also a rejection. Um, I'm going to let Voitas take over from this point. Yeah, I think that this uh, eight, uh, I mean, eight male and eight women, I think that's uh, absolutely enough. I don't really think there is uh, many, many nations that could uh, send so many athletes uh, to the Games so, and having chance for a for a good result. I think also that here we will see some reallocations after the uh, quotas will be distributed. Well, in fact, I think all, all, uh, only Norway could uh, manage to send eight male, eight, eight female athletes and uh, all of them could start. I think that, well, it's in fact, it's the case only for five nations, five top nations who will send so many, who could, uh, who will send uh, so we'll many. have a chance to get so yeah, many. Uh, yes, and uh, I think that uh, at least one of them will resign from a few quotas. And it will go we, to also the might see, we also might see some greater relay participation because now uh, uh, one athlete, and then this is a maximum, one athlete uh, per gender from either the biathlon or Nordic combined disciplines, sports, can also enter the relay and form the relay team. So now countries that qualify three people, but also have additional uh, Nordic athletes such as biathletes or Nordic combined athletes at the games can also enter the relay, which means that we might see more than like 10 or 12 teams like we do at most Olympics, which would be a nice change because the relay can be a bit boring after the first two legs sometimes. Yeah, I think that uh, the country who uh, which could uh, benefit most from that might be Switzerland. For example, uh, this weekend in Lenzerheide in Switzerland, uh, the first stage of Tour de Ski will be held and uh, one of the athletes who will start only in Lenzerheide will not go uh, further and the Tour de Ski will be Selina Gasparin from Biathlon, leader of the Swiss team. So I think that's the country who, who is going to prepare such a case of uh, taking the um, biathlete to the, to the cross-country relay. We might also see something like a, a Kazakhstani uh, Nordic combined person, uh, like a male going over, because they do have a few of those they've been working up. We could also see something like Lithuania, maybe, if they can get two cross-country athletes and an additional two biathlon athletes, although I know quite a few of their top athletes are already competing in both. But it does open up quite a few interesting doors. And actually, I was thinking also... Yeah, sorry. It didn't work because of uh, my math, but yes, continue, sorry. Yeah, I was also thinking about Brazil, uh, that some biathletes might be starting in both cross-country and uh, biathlon. Assuming that they can get some biathletes this time, we know it's quite difficult for Brazil to qualify athletes, though I have a feeling that quite a few of our listeners might be hoping that Brazil can get some biathletes this time. Yes, I even think we all know the name of the, yeah, of the people we're talking about. Uh, no I think what you the... mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. We will also see... Oh, sorry, you, you go. Yeah, I I just wanted to say greetings to to our Tatalympian athlete. Our special our 
quotations, special friends, end quotations. Now, I um, also want to break down the points, the qualification points required for the cross country, because I do know that there was a question about that. And maybe you can help clarify the question that we got asked on our form. So for the sprint, athletes can either have under 100 distance points or under 300 sprint points. And this is points on the FIS points list for distance or sprint that will be published on the 17th of January, 2022. For the individual events, which are the 10K for the women and the 15K for the men, they have to have under 300 distance points. For the skiathlon and mass starts, which are, of course, the longest distance races in the Olympics, they have to have under 100 distance points, which is a more stringent requirement than the um, individual distance events in the 10 and 15K. For the relay, each athlete must have under 300 distance points. And for the team sprint, athletes must either have under 300 distance points or under 300 sprint points. Now, Voitas, uh, there was a question on the form that you helped clarify earlier. Maybe you could uh, break that down again just so that people can get a more clear answer on that. Yeah, the question was about uh, the uh, 300 points uh, because it, the question was uh, if an athlete can uh, qualify in both sprint and distance if uh, he or she has uh, 300 points in both um, or 300 or less concerning... in both sprint and distance while in, and uh, yes it is just the eligibility qu uh, criteria not the qualification one for qualification of course the athletes needs to uh, fulfill the qualification criteria while these 300 points uh, criterion is just uh, for eligibility now interestingly there and i'm just going off the phrasing of the uh, question that you said the question was, could an athlete under 300 distance points qualify in the sprint? Now, I will say that an athlete with 300 sprint points can qualify. But for the sprint, what I'm seeing distance points-wise is that they have to be under 100. So that might be a place yeah. where clarification is needed. Or yes. um, or we could just be reading it wrong as well. Although I have a feeling that I... No, I think the that right the here. criterion you, assess, you say is uh, the, the fact that for distance, you need to fulfill the distance um, criterion while for sprint you need to fulfill uh, the sprint criterion so uh, that's that's the thing i uh, i think yeah and there's a difference there between eligibility and qualification too um i, I don't know how we could find that out but we could um maybe for the person to ask that question we could go ahead and make a media inquiry and we can get back to you on that i can go ahead and do that if voitas is okay with me doing that and yeah. um we can get back to you on that in, uh, maybe on the next episode or we probably will answer it on the form so I think that is it for cross country, unless uh, you have anything else, Voitas. Do you have anything else? No, no. I think everything was said and done. So I believe our next FIS discipline in alphabetical order would be freestyle skiing. And freestyle skiing, I believe, didn't see any quota reductions, but I'm going to let you talk for a minute while I double check that. Uh, so the thing uh, we can see is uh, that slope style and bigger uh, events are combined to uh, one uh, as one uh, event. In fact, in the which they also were in uh, Pyeongchang for snowboarding as well. That was the case in Pyeongchang, I remember as well. Yeah, and uh, that gives us uh, twenty nine quotas in this specialty plus one quota for the host country, which is China. And yeah, I think that's a good move because uh, we see mostly uh, the same athletes in both slope style and big air. I was wondering, uh, because I don't really follow these, uh, the freestyle uh, skiing or snowboarding, I was wondering how many of them will participate in halfpipe also. Not very many. Now, I will say that the, that the likes of uh, one of my favorite athletes, if you have uh, followed what I say, Kelly Sildaru, the teenager from Estonia, she is a World Cup winner in the half pipe and slope style when it comes to skiing. But that is more of a rarity, in my opinion, on the tour. Now, of course, there are also athletes like Gus, uh, Gus Kenworthy, who has proven, especially at the X Games, that he can participate in all three. But it is more of a rarity. Um, I am not a, uh, a alpine, or a not, I guess not an alpine, but I'm not a freestyle skier myself. I only cross, I only am a meager cross country skier on occasion. Mm -hmm. But I do know that there are some different abilities and some different skills required between half pipe and slope style. And it's not uh, infeasible that someone might not 
compete in all three. But more often than not, somebody will choose to either compete in a slope-style big air format or they'll choose to compete in a half-pipe format. So there's not too much crossover, and I don't know if the qualification system allows for crossover. At the Youth Olympic Games um, coming up in Lausanne, it does, and I'm sure we'll see some because it's actually quite common amongst younger athletes that they don't specialize. But at the older levels, like much of the uh, other sports that we see on the Olympics program, they tend to specialize a little more. Um, it's not ultra common, as I said, but it does happen on occasion. Um, hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, and I have also another question, uh, more or less very similar to uh, the aerials and the muggles. Uh, I suppose that uh, these are quite similar ones, but do the uh, muggles athletes uh, participate uh, often in the aerial? And because I think that uh, the other way around is uh, it's uh, it would require much more uh, skills for to 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 go through the muggles, but uh, the muggle never... riders could uh, could do the aerials as well. I think. I've actually never seen an athlete do both, at least in the modern era. Um, when it when they were first kind of thought up around the Calgary 1988 games, where they were both demonstration sports, I believe, it might have been a bit more common back then, maybe in the 90s, when they were still both um, obviously rather young in the Olympics. I can't remember anyone in Pyeongchang who competed in both. And quite honestly, moguls takes a very different skill set than aerials. The only thing that's somewhat similar is a few, and I mean a few of the jumps in the moguls and aerials. The top moguls athletes might be working their way towards some aerials jumps, but the jumps and aerials are bigger, and the moguls athletes have to obviously deal with the moguls, as where the aerial athletes almost actually have to have no skiing knowledge to be able to participate in their event, which is, also makes it a unique skill. But we also see that it's a very expensive sport and that only really eight to ten countries even compete in it on a regular basis internationally. Um, for me, that's the event that should most be cut from the Winter Olympics, even though it is one of my favorites and it's fun to watch. And it obviously is a very, very unique event on the program. It's almost like winter diving, in my opinion. Um, it just doesn't really have the international reach. We see um, quite a few countries in Eastern Europe, like Russia, Belarus, Ukraine, all did, uh, which all did very well at the last Olympics. And we see the North American countries like Canada and the U.S., And we even see the Asian countries with um, China and Japan often having athletes. But that's about it, quite honestly. Maybe besides the uh, the unique Swiss or French, I think I remember sent one at the last Olympics. Maybe Italy has sent one before, if my memory serves. But we really don't see a large field in the aerials. And it's, it is a shame because it is such a unique event. But it also is an expensive event. And um, I don't know if the 25 quotas are worth it anymore. To me, it might have been better to give it maybe 20 or 16 at most and maybe give some more quotas back to maybe snowboarding or give cross-country back some of theirs. Um, while we're on the subject of quotas, I actually noticed that there's been a two-quota increase in freestyle skiing. I believe it might be the only discipline slash sport to see a quota increase since Pyeongchang. It went from 282 in Pyeongchang to 284 in Beijing. And that may have something to do with the mixed team event in aerials, which is also uh, quite new. And hopefully it encourages more participation, as I said, because that's an issue in the sport. Uh, I'm going to throw it back to you now, Voitas. If there's anything else you want to continue with, if not, we can move on to the next discipline. Yes, we have also the ski cross we didn't mention. Ah, of, yes. course, uh, of course, there is no change because, you know, we have strict number of 32 athletes in, in ski cross as well as in the snowboard cross. Uh, because the draw need to be, uh, you know, fro it's j just frozen and it has to be still. Uh, of course, the possibility is to um, throw out a few athletes uh, from the after the qualification, but it would not make uh, a lot of sense to send an athlete who would uh, who would be thrown out after just one uh, just one leg after the uh, after the elimination. So. I think that's uh, that's the field where we don't expect the uh, increasing the quotas in the following years, maybe doubling up, but I think that would be uh, far too much. Yeah, it would be quite a bit. Now, what's interesting, and it's an interesting shift we've seen. Ski cross was originally, I believe, conceived as an X game event. I could be wrong because it was I was rather young when uh, ski cross became a thing. Might have even been around before I was born. Because <laughs> I am a bit of a youngster. Mm -hmm. But um, 
it really became it has really shifted from being this freestyle centric event where we see a lot of quote unquote freestyle skiers who don't participate in the other freestyle events and don't really throw tricks but that do specialize in ski cross to being more of something that like b-level alpine skiers do we've seen a lot more alpine centric the alpine nations have become more dominant and they've also become more prevalent on the world tour as opposed to like the the likes of the u.s who used to do very well in the events and now struggles to qualify anyone to the games it's a very interesting shift that we've seen actually and it'll be interesting to see if that continues in beijing or if the decrease in alpine quotas um increases the participation or if the decrease in other skiing quotas increases the participation somehow. So it's actually a very um, an interesting development to maybe keep track of for the future. So I believe that is it for freestyle skiing. So we can move on to Nordic combined. And I'm going to double check again because Voitas again beat me to the punch on this one. But I'm going to double check uh, the quota totals while maybe Voitas can give us a quick breakdown. Uh, yeah, of, uh, Nordic I think, combined yeah, I have that. Well, we have only one category, one gender category in the Nordic combined. Still, the women's Nordic combined is not uh, so developed to get we to the Olympics. The, it's worth noting that we will see it in two weeks' time at the Youth Olympics, of course. Yeah, but still not in uh, at the, let's say, adult Olympics in, in Beijing. And we have uh, 54 quotas plus one quota for the host country. And a uh, maximum of five athletes uh, per NOC is allowed to come to Beijing, but only four of them will start in a single event. So maybe four individual and then one, uh, yeah. one guy and for one, relay, one, just to be fun. Yeah, you know, you can ch always change the, the one of the guys in the, uh, from the, the one event in, in the next one, because we have oh, two individual I events. Oh, I thought too. You could also use that fifth quota for your cross-country skier in the relay. So you could just send someone under the, um, someone who might be a very, very weak jumper, but that can meet the minimum requirements for Nordic Combined, and then almost know for the entire games that you will send him for the relay, which would be a very uh, interesting way of using that quota, but one I could definitely see a few countries using, maybe like um, Germany or Italy. Yeah. I had not thought of that before, but that is actually a very interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's a very good way point that, from that you. can be used. I, I make a few once in a while. I come up with a few good points once in a while. Don't don't undersell me here. But um, I, besides that, there isn't too many changes to the um, Nordic combined qualification for these Olympics. The quotas do remain the same. I do, double check that, and. Um, that might be about it, actually, for Nordic Combined. It's one of the easier sports uh, disciplines to break down because there's only three events, obviously. Like in Pyeongchang, it's the same three events as well. And uh, there's not as many quotas, and it's really has been left unchanged by the FIS and IOC. So if you're content with that, Voitas, I believe we can move on to ski jumping next. Yes, in the ski jumping, we have uh, quite a similar uh, situation as in the Nordic Combined. Uh, for the men's event, we have 64 uh, quotas to be distributed, plus one for the host country, which is guaranteed. And uh, as well as in Nordic combined, we have uh, five uh, male athletes overall uh, per nation, with uh, four of them starting in, well, allowed to start in a single event. While in women, we have 39 athletes uh, to be qualified, plus one uh, quota for the host country, for China, and uh, maximum four athletes uh, per nation is allowed. I also so, wanted to add uh, that we've seen it. Uh, I was wrong earlier when I talked about seeing uh, freestyle skiing be the only sport with a uh, discipline with a quota increase, because actually ski jumping has been giving uh, five more quotas from Pyeongchang. So they've actually seen quite a, quite a good increase. It's an increase of 5% um, from what they had in Pyeongchang. And it might have something to do with um, hoping for increased participation, of course, in the new mixed team event. Yeah, and uh, a mixed team will be... Uh, to the mixed team event, uh, all countries having uh, two men's and two women's eligible will be allowed to uh, participate in that uh, mixed team event. I, uh, I also am reading that a... Um, they can also use a Nordic combined athlete, a male Nordic combined athlete, if needed, 
Um, and it seems like they can actually up, use up to two um, as long as they meet the ski jumping requirements for the actual uh, ski jumping quotas. But they don't obviously have to have a ski jumping quota. They can have a Nordic combined quota. But as long as they've met the requirement, they can actually use two. Uh, two. I said two wrong there. I said it weird, actually. They can use two Nordic combined um, athletes and two female ski jumpers. So actually, we should see some, some maybe some new, uh, some new nations in a team event in ski jumping. As long as they can get some female jumpers, maybe the likes of uh, Romania and some other people like that. Well, I was thinking uh, who will China use in this uh, men's event because, you and know, it's... China has, big... has ski jumpers. They participated at the... Um, they definitely sent quite a good team to the 2017 Winter Asian Games in uh, Sapporo. But they do not have um, very many Nordic combined athletes, which is something I forgot to address when we were talking about Nordic combined. So it'll be interesting to see if they have been able to build up a program and if they've been able to build up a better program to maybe even challenge um, for a for a real spot in the pack at the games. Well, yes, I I know the situation because, uh, you know, Chinese ski jumpers are training here in Europe and uh, they are the federation. The Chinese federation uh, gives a lot of money to prepare their ski jumpers uh, for these games. They they. Uh, They hired uh, uh, very good coaches and and they are preparing their team for for that ski jumping event in Beijing. Well, I think on that note, that seems like a like a semi decent way to end our uh, ski jumping segment. I believe now, unless um, unless I've forgotten anything, but I don't think I have, that we can move on to the last FIS discipline, which is snowboarding. And uh, we've got quite a bit to talk about in snowboarding here. So I'm, I'm going to let uh, you start, but I'm definitely going to have to pipe in with a few things here. So uh, once again, we have the uh, snowboard cross. We talk about ski cross, which has uh, quite a frozen number of athletes, which is 32. And as well uh, in the snowboard cross, we have 32 athletes. So 31 to be qualified the normal way and uh, one place is reserved for the host country and we will also have the mixed snowboard cross uh, team yes for the first time yes uh, with the countries having individuals uh, starting in that also with the uh, with a frozen number of 16 teams also to for the draw to be uh, possible to be made And I believe that they have to be snowboard cross athletes. Yes, they do have to be qualified yeah. for the individual event to be eligible for that event. Uh, overall, we've actually seen a quota decrease of 20, which is a rather steep decrease. It's one of the bigger ones we'll see in terms of a discipline or sport at the games. Um, it, it's, it's interesting. The snowboard cross saw the brunt of that. I believe snowboard cross used to send quite a few more athletes. I believe they used to send 40. I could be wrong, but I believe they sent 40 or 42 in Pyeongchang. Um, I believe everything else remains the same, maybe with a cut or two in slope style and big air. But uh, it is, or in uh, half pipe as well, may have seen a cut. I'm, I, I'm not quite sure on the numbers. I don't have them in front of me. But obviously, we've seen quite a few cuts. Um, the men and women will see the same amount of quotas, which is pretty much the same thing in every skiing, snowboarding discipline, except for Nordic combined. And um, again, we see the combination of the slope style big air. And once again, it's pretty uh, atypical for a half pipe athlete to participate in slope style big air as well. So most of these quotas will be specialized quotas. Then obviously the alpine snowboarding, like the giant slalom, uh, we won't see any of them in the freestyle snowboarding. So it, it doesn't make sense to me, quite honestly, these cuts. And I think that it's actually going to set snowboarding back a bit because we've seen quite a few nations such as um, Brazil, make appearances in women's snowboard, uh, snowboard cross. And we've seen like Aust the likes of Australia and New Zealand get powerful in the half pipe events. But it, these cutting these quotas discourages the growth of lesser known sports nations. So to me, it, uh, it quite honestly doesn't make sense. And um, I'm, I'm a bit unhappy. But overall, it's not a huge detriment to the qualification. But we do lose 20 athletes in snowboarding where I really didn't see cuts need to be made. Yeah, and I, I'm just thinking uh, if we can see the uh, Esther Ledecka in 
in snowboarding as well as in alpine skiing. Will she specialize in one of these disciplines finally, or will she try to repeat her uh, result from Pyeongchang winning in both uh, snowboarding and alpine skiing? It's it's interesting, and she may only qualify in one. I mean, obviously, I'd be I'd be rather shocked if she didn't qualify in snowboarding, even though she's been spending most of her time in alpine skiing these days. I mean, snowboarding is where she got her start, and it's obviously her bread and butter, or at least it used to be. Although she's also proven herself to be quite the alpine skier with an Olympic gold medal and a uh, random World Cup win last week. So either she'll continue this form, or she's just uh, is really dangerous when she wears the twenty six bib. So I guess we'll have to find that out in the future. But um, yeah, it's an interesting point you make. It's a valid one as well. So it'll be interesting to watch for. I recommend that our our listeners probably uh, keep track of Esther Ledecka's um, qualification. Uh, I think that might be the end of snowboarding, unless you have something to add, Voitas. No, I think that concludes uh, also the whole uh, FIS uh, thing. That does conclude the FIS. So we can now move on to the other infamous Winter Sports Federation, the ISU, who oversees all the skating events. Three disciplines in skating, of course, figure skating, short track, and speed skating. And we'll begin in alphabetical order with figure skating. And much to everyone's surprise, we actually have seen a quota decrease in figure skating. We've lost one pair. We're down to 19 pairs now in the games, and we've lost one in the ice dance, so we're now down to 23. And I don't like odd numbers of quotas, so this really bugs me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, I don't really think that's a that's a big loss because you know the uh, the format of the games, you know, it should be a little bit shorter for uh, for the viewers for the television. Uh, I don't really think that uh, decreasing one. Uh, one pair and one ice dancing pair uh, changes a lot. I was rather thinking about that in the matter of the team event where yes. uh, we have still this uh, limit of 10 teams uh, in the in the whole competition and I was rather thinking if uh, that was the way they tried to decrease the number of teams eligible to start in the team event uh, which might be more than ten, and to, to decrease the uh, the the need to to select those ten teams, which of course has its own classification. But you know, it's always uh, a little bit strange when you qualify a team in the uh, with the criteria, but you seem to be uh, too weak uh, to to get into the, the that top ten and to fight for the medals. Yeah, and uh, Pyeongchang, Spain was inside the top 10, but they actually didn't qualify enough athletes of their on their own to be given one or two athletes uh, extra to be able to participate. And I don't, uh, I, I haven't read the system as, as, as thoroughly as you may have, and I don't know if they'll still give, if uh, someone's still short, like an ice dance pair or a pair or a woman or a man in the team event, if they'll still give them one quota for that if they have three quotas for the other events, which is something they did do um in in uh pyeongchang it's a team event specific quota i believe the israeli girl or woman excuse me only participated in the team event um i i, I could be wrong i i will admit straight off the bat that i am not a, a huge fan of figure skating it's not really my thing but uh it, it does leave some questions as almost every isu qualification system does because they tend to be some of the more complicated ones when it comes to the winter olympics yeah, I, I don't really think that uh, that uh, this system changed uh, between uh, Pyeongchang and uh, and Beijing. I'm also not sure if uh, if the thing you said about the the specific uh, team quota is is uh, upheld. I have I have found that it it is the same. I just I uh, was yeah. I was scrolling through here and it is the same as it was in Pyeongchang. So that could happen again. So we we could see someone get an extra quota just for the team event. I, I I'm not sure if that quota gets pulled from another event or if they just have some random quotas available on the sides. I don't know if they're gonna put someone in a tent outside the Olympic Village or how that works. <laughs> but uh, I guess that's for the ISU and the IOC to figure out, and not for me in my uh in in my uh, house to figure out right now. So. I, I think some people with a higher pay grade make that decision, as I actually am not paid at all. So 
I don't even get a pay grade for my decisions. But um, I think that's a, that's a good summary of the figure skating uh, process. It's also worth mentioning, because we didn't say it explicitly, that the men and women still have 30 uh, quotas each per gender. Um, so we could see the likes of Malaysia or Singapore or some of the other emerging Southeast Asian nations that we've really seen come on to the, uh, to the program over the last few Olympics with uh, Christian Martinez um, and Julian Yeezy Lee from uh, the Philippines and Malaysia, respectively, qualifying for, for figure skating. We could maybe see some more athletes from there qualifying for figure skating as the uh, 2017 Southeast Asian Games, or excuse me, the 2019 Southeast Asian Games recently passed. I'm getting my years mixed up, so you know it's late. And um, it would be interesting to see if the, the level has risen as much as the scores suggested or if um, maybe there was a little bit of playing with the host uh, scores. But it'll be interesting to see if we get some more nations. Uh, Brazil has also sent some, some figure skaters in the past. So there is opportunity there still for some smaller nations to sneak their way into the event. Um, if you are content with that, we, uh, Voitas, I think we can yeah. move on. Yes. So the next the, one uh, should be, yeah. Short track. Yes, I was also thinking about short track uh, because uh, despite we do not see a change in the uh, maximum uh, number of quotas per event, which is uh, 32 for 500 and 1,000 meter and uh, 36 in, in uh, 1,500, yes, I wanted to say uh, <laughs> 1,050, 1,500, okay, sorry. Uh, yes, and we have also uh, eight uh, men's and women's relays as it was but and we have uh, uh, this time we have the mixed relays which is uh, which a which, thousand meters uh, shorter of course it's a two thousand yes. meter relay instead of a three thousand meter relay yeah and uh, it has uh, 12 teams uh, expected to start in this uh, mixed uh, mixed uh, relay but uh, despite uh, Keeping this uh, this quota number, we will have the reduction of uh, the athlete quotas. We have, uh, I believe, eight is the final yeah. total that we that we four came men up with. Four women, yeah. Yep, four men, four women, and uh, I, I believe you pointed out, or uh, maybe one of our other users on the forum. I can get a bit confused when thinking back to something I read a few hours ago. Um, said that it might make it harder for the additional uh, relay quota. So it'll be um it'll be interesting to see how that how that plays out. I am glad that we haven't seen a reduction in the events cuz I think most people would agree that short track are some of the most fun unpredictable events to watch during the games. Obviously with the uh, famous example of Stephen Bradbury in 2002 yeah. um winning on what can only be described as a uh total wipeout. So um you never know. I've also seen a Kazakhstani relay team once win in similar fashion. So it does happen. I mean, I'm sure the Chinese are hoping it doesn't happen in Beijing as it is arguably their strongest sport, maybe outside of like ski half pipe on the women's side or um, uh, aerials or uh, speed skating. It is one of their stronger events and it's somewhere that they obviously expect multiple medals, multiple gold medals. In fact, I would imagine have been required. I wouldn't even be surprised if the Federation has said we expect to win all nine events because they are a very strong team. It's it's them in Korea, obviously, at the top with uh, the Canadians, the U.S., and a few of the uh, European teams biting at the heels. But um, it's definitely a sport where the hosts um, won't have to worry about their host country places. They should qualify uh, right on through the, uh, through the normal ranking methods. In fact, they might even just pretty much earn a spot without having to do too much. So it, it'll be interesting to see uh, the Chinese progress here. And, of course, we'll have the same amount of athletes, so we can still have the uh, more, quote-unquote, fun nations like uh, Belgium or Latvia participating and doing well on the men's and women's side. Yes, I was thinking that uh, we, might, uh, we might see uh, less uh, specialized athletes. So, I mean, we yes. won't see as uh, a lot of uh, athletes specialized. meter specialists. Or yeah, instead or of those who are good in or good or at least uh, average in all of the uh, events, at least on that level, to qualify in all of that, instead of concentrating on uh, on one distance, like for example, Natalia Maliszewska from Poland, I think she won't have a lot of problems to qualify to uh, just with the 500 meters results, but you know the, those who are maybe on a little bit lower level, but specialized as well as she in 
in one specific uh, distance, they might have problems with with qualifying to Beijing Games. Again, it's one of those um, unanswered questions that we really won't know, um, probably until 2021 or 2022, or even until the Olympics themselves. But this, um, this, this quali- the qualifications this time, this round, are really creating some, I guess, fun, might be one way to describe it, questions. Um, so I believe that that might conclude short track, unless you have anything else to say. No, I think that's that's all we said about this uh, this discipline. Well, that conversation was short, as the sport suggests. So we can move on now to uh, the last ISU discipline, which of course is the um, always traditional speed skating, and uh, we've got a lot to go through here. Yes, we have uh, quite a few criteria uh, to about the maximum uh, number of athletes because we have. Uh, different uh, limits of athletes to, uh, in different uh, distances. If you could skip through that, uh, Matt. Oh, yes, of course. Of course I can. Um, we've actually seen a total reduction of 14 male and female athletes, I believe. Um, it's, it's quite a steep decrease. It's actually 17% of the quotas um, have been lost from Pyeongchang. Um, so in the 500 for both genders, we can have a maximum of 30. In the 1,000, it is the same number of 30 per gender. It's the same number for the 1,500 as well. For the women's 3,000, we can have uh, up to 20 athletes. It's also the same number for the men's 5,000. For the men's 10,000, we can have up to 12 athletes. And for the women's 5,000, we can have up to 12 athletes as well. The mass start also sees uh, 24 athletes for both genders, and the uh, team pursuit remains at eight teams per gender. Um, I do not know if the format has been changed or if we'll still go with the bracket format that we only see at the Olympics. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm very surprised, which is not the case of the qualification system, but uh, to the uh, program of the Games that we don't have the team sprint yet because it's becoming uh, quite... quite Quite, quite popular. I think it's much better format that, uh, than the mass start event, which I think uh, still needs to be a little bit tweaked. Uh, yeah, wor- worked. Yeah, worked. Um, what's also interesting is that we'll see the uh, team sprint, although as a uh, mixed NOC event in, uh, in Lausanne in two weeks at the Winter Youth Olympics, but we will remain, as you said, with the uh, team pursuit in Beijing. Of course, that was actually known a while back because the events were, I believe, announced uh, last summer, or at least the final program was. But um, it is interesting to see that, especially since we do see more teams on the World Cup circuit competing in the team sprint than the team's pursuit nowadays. Um, You want to go ahead, um, since you like to go through uh, maximum team numbers, you want to go ahead and give us the maximum number of athletes for that each NOC can expect to have in speed skating. Uh, yes, I think uh, I need to find that uh, document yet. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've caught him off guard, everyone. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and do that for you as my, as my charity gesture for the holiday se- or gesture, excuse me, for the holiday uh, season. So um, for the men, we can have a maximum of, um, of nine athletes, it, it appears. Oh, no, excuse me. This is for each gender. For each gender, we can have a maximum of nine athletes as long as they've qualified in the team pursuit event. Um, uh, we can also have a, if not in the team pursuit event, we can have a maximum of eight athletes per NOC. Um, and they have to be allocated at least one individual place for each uh, distance to reach that number of eight. And um, everyone else can only have a maximum of seven per uh, athletes per gender per NOC. Uh, I don't know if that's changed from Pyeongchang because that would be um, a bit more research than I want to do, quite honestly. But it um, it is probably a cut, I would imagine, uh, based off the number of quota places that were cut. Although that could also just be to cut smaller nations out, which is a shame because we've seen the likes of Columbia, who did really well, actually, um, in Pyeongchang, uh, qualify for the first time, as well as uh, Estonia. I remember her doing very well in the mass start, although actually she didn't do that well because of the uh, 
quite dumb format that the Mass Start is running. Um, we also have a, um, a max number of athletes that can start per event uh, for each NOC. So we can have uh, three athletes per NOC in the 500 meters. And this is for both genders, of course. In the, um, in the 1,000 meters, we can have two start positions in, uh, in each event. Uh, in the 1,500, we can have um, one per NOC, it seems, unless I'm getting this wrong, but it doesn't seem so. In the oh, you know what? Actually, I'm uh, I am. I'm not sure if you're looking at the right uh, table right yeah, now. This document's uh, confusing. The ISU loves to write a document that um gives uh unquoted examples that doesn't say example, but this is yeah. um quite clearly an example of how I of think how you distribution could work. The yeah, I see the document now. Uh, I think you should look at the table down, which is B two two. Yes, and we have tables that been labeled incorrectly. Of course, that stars that gives us link yes. to another criteria, another section, because it's it's getting much more complicated. Well, this is um quite frankly, I don't get paid enough to break down this this document quite clearly. <laughs> um, um, I I do apologize to our to our listeners for that. That was me reading the uh, the wrong table is what that was. In fact, it was an example that they didn't call uh, an example, except they, in the paragraph above, it seems they mentioned it as an example, but uh, it was unclear, so that is my bad. So I will actually give you the, uh, the correct numbers now, because I am not an idiot, in fact. So for the 500, <laughs> for the 500 meter events um, per gender, e each country can start three athletes. For the 1,000 meters, it's the same thing per gender, and for the 15, it's the same as well. For the middle distance events, which are the 300, uh, the 3,000, the 300 would be a very short event, the 3,000 meters for the women and the 5,000 meters for the men, each uh, NOC can expect to start three athletes there as well. For the long distance individual events, for the uh, 10,000 for the men and the 5,000 for the women, each NOC can expect to start only two athletes each. The same goes for the mass start with two athletes each per gender per NOC. And in the team pursuit, obviously you can only start one team per NOC. And that concludes that table the correct table and not the one I misread earlier. Yeah, I think that uh, the thing that there are stars with that uh, maximum uh, free in 500, 1,500 and 5,000 males and 3,000 females, uh, the section D2, which is mentioned there, it's getting really complicated. I think we won't have uh, time to talk. I think we should have a uh, we whole, we would need the need specific uh, spe specific episode of our podcast to do just this one thing to uh, to um, explain it uh, in details. So we just sent you to the uh, to read that qualification system and share your thoughts with us either on our social media or on our forum. And since uh, since we're going to mention social media, I'll make a little plug of that on Facebook. We can be found uh, at Totally Olympics, or not even at, just as Totally Olympics Media. We have a page, and you can follow us there. It's not been too updated recently, but during the Youth Olympics, I would expect that to be uh, quite active, so I would definitely go ahead and give that a like. And on uh, Twitter, we can be found at Totally Olympics M, because Total Olympics, uh, at, at Totally Olympics Media is apparently too long of a username. <laughs> so we can be found at Totally Olympics M, and that has been quite active, and we expect that to be quite active during the upcoming Winter Youth Olympics. We'll have uh, some interactive polls on there. We'll have um, links to articles uh, and uh, updating blogs, and maybe even links to podcasts uh, like this one. So I would definitely go ahead and give us a follow at Totally Olympics M on Twitter. And um, now that my shameless plug of our social media has been completed, I believe we can move on from speed skating and the utter confusion of this qualification document which is actually somehow one of the shorter in, in terms of pages, but longer in terms of information. And we can move on to a, uh, a completely different federation now, which is, of course, the uh, IBSF, the International Bobsled and Skeleton Federation. And we can begin with, uh, with bobsled because that becomes alphabetically first. And uh, we've seen quite a few cuts here. And I'm going to go ahead and break this one, one down for you, Voitas, give you a break here. So in the, uh, in the women, we've obviously seen the addition of women's monobob for these games. They'll have a total of uh, 16 quotas coming their way. And that is, of course, at the behest and loss of quotas 
for um, men's and women's skeleton and for the men's foreman. The men's foreman will go from 30 quotas at the last games or 30 teams more, more, um, or in more relevant terms to 28 teams um, for these games. And the men's and women's skeleton events have both been reduced um, by five quotas, meaning that uh, we'll have 25 uh, in each gender for skeleton. And now that I've given uh, Voychas a, a, a chance to take a break here, I'm going to let him step in and give me a break. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I wanted to say about the Manabap, the thing we don't see in Men's Bob's Lake, where uh, in Men's Bob's Lake we see that uh, the foreman uh, quotas, um, I mean, the um, NOC uh, athlete quotas might differ if uh, the pilot is. Uh, another in two men's and four men's bobsleigh, while in women, the uh, Manabab athlete, if qual if that country qualifies a two women bobsleigh, needs to start in uh, both Manabab and two women's bobsleigh, which is uh, quite surprising for me. It's uh, what we said about uh, short track, about uh, smaller specialization, because we won't see, in fact, the uh, country having uh, Manabab uh, and two women bob uh, having a separate athlete for the manabab only that's that's the thing i noticed which is quite strange to me uh, i really don't know why the ibsf uh, did that thing i think maybe because of the uh, total athlete quotas number uh, limit what do you think about it yeah it, it is uh, quite interesting um, I'm not sure of the reasons behind it, as once again, that is quite above my pay grade. But um, it's definitely an interesting, uh, an interesting point that you make there. I, I haven't read too much into it myself, quite honestly. But um, as all these qualification documents were just released today and we have to read through all of them, we can't obviously read every single detail of every single page. We try to get you the most relevant information, not the uh, words at the bottom of the page that can also sometimes be important. But we do... Um, we have brought you quite a bit of relevant information today, and um, as Voitas points out, that's a um, it's a very interesting point to be made. Um, that the requirement for Mono Bob maybe to try to grow the event would be my only guess. That maybe starting um, a two man a two woman Bob said they want to make sure that the women have been incentivized enough to um, compete in the Mono Bob as well. So um, that's that's interesting. We also. Um, have been given, uh, courtesy of the qualification document, the uh, maximum number of athletes per NOC, or maximum number of sleds, um, more relevantly, that an NOC can have based off their, their, their ranking in the qualification ranking. So for the two-man, we can have a max of two NOCs with three crews per event, and a max of seven NOCs with two crews per event. Every other NOC qualified will, of course, be given one crew uh, in, in, uh, in the two-man. In the four-man, uh, it's actually the same. So we have a max of two NOCs with three crews per event and a max of seven NOCs with two crews per event with everyone else only receiving uh, one crew after that. Uh, in the women, uh, for, the two, for the two women, we, we see a, a max of two NOCs with three crews, a max of four NOCs with uh, two crews, and everyone else receiving uh, one crew in that event. And in the women's monobob, we see that four NOCs will be allowed to have uh, two women or two sleds in that event. And everyone else will only be allowed to have a singular uh, sled in the event. So that seems like we've broken it down, but uh, we'll give Voitas one more chance to go over the bob sled before we go into the skeleton uh, qualification document. Yes, I was thinking about uh, if that uh, qualification system is uh, good, that we have uh, some limits because of the... Uh, because uh, of the, uh, how many right. nations can we see? I forgot that they have because, um, you know, eliminated that... the universality um, requirement. Because um, generally, yes. the men and women, the men have to be in the top 50 of the world ranking, and the women have to be in the top 40. But under the old system in Pyeongchang, the, uh, the, I believe the, the men from any continent could be like in the top 80 and still be given a quota if someone else from their continent had qualified, which Akwazi Frimpong from Ghana used to qualify for Africa. And um, for the women, it's, a, it's obviously a bit different with the rankings since there's less overall competitors. But the women from Nigeria used a uh, similar loophole to get their two women bobsled and their uh, actually their skeleton athlete as well into the games. So we will not be seeing that um, in this games, maybe as a punishment for uh, 
quote unquote taking the easy way into the games. Well, about the universality games, I would like to quote our fellow Totalympian from Croatia. Uh, let me quote him. The universality of participation in winter sports is a sensitive subject because, you know, winter sports are not very universal to begin with. And I think that's uh, that's uh, quite a good point. However, I think we all love that romantic uh, part of sports when we see the Jamaican or Nigerian bobsledders or the ones like uh, Venezuelan uh, cross-country skier Adrian Solano. And I was wondering which discipline will be chosen for the Beijing Games by our Tongan <laughs> celebrity, Pita <laughs> Taufatofua. Well, you might have to... Uh... We might have to sit these ones out, but, uh, you know, that man's a wild card, so who knows? Um, I'm going to also quickly uh, apologize if there was a little bit of a noise in the background. My uh, my uh, uh, my heating blew my door open and I had to go shut it, so that's uh, that's my bad if there's some noise in the recording, so I apologize for that. Um, so I think now, while we're talking about where, um, where PETA might compete for Tonga in the 2022 Olympics, we can get into Skeleton. Because that it does only require one person, and it's certainly considered maybe um, one of the easier events to qualify for if you're a good starter. So if PETA can get that that underlying speed, who knows? Um, so as I said before, we see 25 and 25 quotas for each gender. And for the men, we have a maximum of two NOCs with three athletes, and a maximum of six NOCs with two athletes, with every other NOC in the event receiving one athlete. And for the women, we have two NOCs with three athletes, four NOCs with, or excuse me, two NOCs with three athletes, four NOCs with two athletes, and everyone else receiving one athlete. I'm going to let Voitas take the end of of this one before we get into our next sport. Yes, you mentioned uh, that that skeleton could be the, the discipline for Pita in Beijing 2022. I think that he would need to somehow uh, to get to the uh, track because you know the not a lot of the skeleton bobsleigh bob track, track is, yes not 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 a lot in the world in fact only 16 now, so 16 or 17 with the addition of beijing yeah so you know that that's the thing that might be a problem for him to to start such a specific uh, discipline but you know as you said that's the one where uh, the beginner it has one of the easiest way. I think that might be skeleton or luge, and I think that's a good transition to the to, to the last discipline we have to talk is. about. You today. snuck that in on me. So, um, yes, I'm looking at the numbers here, and we are seeing a uh, quota decrease in luge as well. It seems that we've seen a quota decrease of four athletes overall um, in the games, and. Um, I believe we've seen a decrease of five quotas per individual event. I believe at the last games it was 40, or excuse me, it was 40 and 30. So actually we haven't seen a decrease. I do see what happens here. The men have lost five quotas um, in favor of the women receiving five more quotas to participate at the games. So it seems as though the uh, FIL, the Federation Internationale of Luge, is trying to uh, increased women's participation in luge, even though they couldn't get women's doubles into the game. So we still only have one doubles event, of course, unlike um, unlike the Winter Youth Olympics in 2020, which are actually only two weeks away and they're in Lausanne. But um, we do see um, an increase in women's quotas. So the decrease it appears has come in the doubles, where we have lost uh, two doubles and we're now down to 18 teams that will be entered in the doubles lose event. So I'm going to let you again take the back half of this one. Yes, and then we have also the team event, the mixed team event with uh, one men's singles, one women's singles, and one pair. Uh, I think it's the relay, t- uh, the relay event. And uh, yes, we will have the all the nations uh, having all of this uh, free uh, specializations qualified for the games. We'll have all of them eligible to participate in the team event. And I think that's a kind of a very attractive event for the viewers and for the public. So I think that uh, that's the biggest, uh, uh, that's the best point of, of Luge, having such a, such a specific uh, relay system as, as they do. 
Yes, of course, and that was that was pioneered by them. And the IBS, uh, the IBSS, excuse me, have have tried a similar relay, but it hasn't really seemed uh, they haven't found the correct format yet. But it is definitely one of the more intriguing sliding events. It's it's it, it definitely um, inspires some team unity and some national unity, as were sometimes the uh, men's singles or the women's singles event can pretty much become a either a German 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 or a German Austria affair, or sometimes Italy can or Russia can sneak someone in there too. Or like the U.S. the last Olympics, but that was a uh, a rarity, more than a normality, of course. But um, yeah, it shouldn't quite it should inspire some some national unity, and it is an interesting event with um all of them starting at the same length track, which can be unusual for some of the for some of the uh, like the women start at the doubles start house, I believe. Which so that's a little bit of a change in the track for them. They lose a turn or two sometimes. So it does create a, a different track, and it also can be a competitive battle within the teams because obviously only one man and one woman and one doubles pair can compete, and quite a few of the stronger nations will send more than that quota. So um, if there's anything else that you've seen in there that we should talk about, we can talk about it, or we can uh, go ahead and wrap this up for the, uh, for the listeners at home who have been with us for what appears to be the last 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, I think that, uh, as we mentioned, I just wanted to mention that we still don't have the biathlon uh, qualification system, so we wait for that. And I and after that, and I don't think I've seen the curling uh, documents. Uh, the thing I, I talked about was from the... Pyeongchang game. From the... Uh, no, no, it oh, was from, from the Wikipedia. Beijing games, but it was for, from the uh, internal rules of the uh, WCF, uh, World Curling ah, Federation. Okay. I don't think that the document was uh, already prepared with the with the IOC, but I think that this system is uh, this system is will be surely confirmed by by the IOC. And um, yeah, as you said, we haven't seen the biathlon one. We um, they are kind of notorious for not giving very good um, informational guides. So we are going to end here. Um, I thank our viewers for our excuse me, our listeners. We're obviously not a uh, television program. Our listeners. For listening to us today we're still figuring out this format this is actually going to be our our first whole um episode of toy olympics weekly update we're bringing it back after a few months so we still got to get into the groove of things and as i said there was quite a few qualification documents to get through so i do apologize if we missed or skipped something you had a question about but of course you can reach out to us at our social medias or on our website or even on our uh, affiliated form totally olympics and um you can ask us the questions there and we will try to get you an answer. And maybe one of our uh, in-house qualification experts like Josh, who I interviewed last, um, last week, that's also available as a podcast um, can also help us in that uh, realm of questioning. So I do thank our viewers for listening today and I do apologize for the, uh, for the occasional um, tongue slip that I had and that uh, white check had. It can be a little rough to record uh, the podcast so late when the news breaks late in the day. Um, we tried to bring you the most up-to-date information about the qualification systems. We appreciate your continued support um, and listening. I'm going to let Voitas make a statement before I really give out my uh, closing statement here. Yes, I would like also to uh, thank you for your attention, and I would like to invite you for uh, to our forum for the new year. Uh, and we are preparing uh, a lot of... Uh, Thanks for the beginning of the year. For January, we prepare the prediction contests where you can uh, predict the results of the major competitions. We prepare the handball and water polo European championships. And uh, together with Matt, we are preparing uh, an unofficial prediction contest for the Youth Olympic Games in Lausanne, which will be also the part of our coverage of the games at our Total Olympics Media. With more and, infor- uh, and I got, sorry I had to jump in there. We will have more information about our complete coverage of the uh, 2020 Winter Youth Olympics uh, um, uh, as an announcement on our form uh, probably within the next day or two as we finalize our coverage plans but it will I can say that it will be extensive and that we will be using uh, daily podcasts and uh, updating blogs as, as we have the past games as well as uh, your typical event review articles and maybe a few other formats, such as an interactive Twitter poll or two. But as I said, we need to um, finalize our plans, and those will be posted shortly uh, on our forum thread, which you can find uh, as if you search Toy Olympics on Toy Olympics Media, excuse me, on the Toy Olympics forum. 
So I'm going to, sorry, after that yeah. injection, I'll let you continue. Yeah, I think uh, I just wanted to add that uh, the format we're preparing for the for this unofficial prediction contest for the US Olympic Games will be quite youth and quite urban. <laughs> It'll be very popular <laughs> the IOC. As many of you know, that's a popular joke around the, uh, around the in Olympic circles. And uh, it, with that lighthearted joke, it seems like a good place to stop. So again, for both of us, I thank you for listening, listening to uh, two Olympic nerds ramble for about an hour about qualification documents. And uh, we hope to see you around on the forum. Uh, we hope to see you interacting with us on social on our social medias, because uh, we also have personal social medias that you can find probably via our uh, our uh, company social medias. And um, well, it's been a great holiday for uh, for both of us, I'm pretty sure. And we were looking forward to the Happy New Year. Uh, I would um, recommend that we all. Think about what's good at the end of the year and look forward to 2020 as the uh, as quite an Olympic year with the Youth Olympic Games in the winter and a uh, Summer Olympic Games to follow in Tokyo, where I will be uh, lucky enough to go. So I will be looking forward to 2020 with quite a few of you. And uh, on that note, since I continue to not be able to end this podcast, it seems like a good place to stop. So thank you for listening and good night. 